I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the One Woman Book Club podcast. I'm your host, Grace, and this is the podcast where we talk about all things book news, author news, current reads, new releases, anything going on in my life, and we discuss a part, a quarter or a half of our monthly book club pick, which right now we're talking about Part of Your World by Abby Jimenez. That's the intro. That's the spiel. We have a lot to get through today. First of all, starting with updates about my life and this podcast and everything going on there, the first thing I want to say is a quick and brief apology. I understand that this is getting up way later than I anticipated. I'm hoping to get this up by the end of the week at this point, hopefully by Friday, June 16th. So in my own mind, if you're listening to this and it's before Friday, June 16th, the evening time, it's a win for me. This has been an absolutely crazy week and I'm realizing that I probably bit off 
a lot more than I can chew when it comes to two books a month. Um, and we'll get into that in a little while. But first, I'll talk about my life and what's been going on and why this podcast is getting up a lot later than I initially anticipated it to. And one thing I want to say is I'm so sorry and sick of making excuses for why the podcast is getting up late wanting and making the schedule for it to go up on Mondays, but then life getting in the way and having it, you know, go up later. I'm really sorry for that. And I think the majority of you understand and realize that this is mostly all for fun for me. I have a full-time job. I do freelance work on the side. I have a social life and a boyfriend and friends and family and also want to get a ton of reading done. And my main thing is keeping up with my Instagram as well. So I have, I'm going to make some changes to the schedule and the uploading process just to be fair to everyone who listens every week um, for July and we'll see how that goes. But like I said, let's talk about my life. So we have finished part of your world. You're listening to this by now. Most likely all of you have finished part of your world. I finished part of your world the first day I sat down to read it. So it's been a long time and I'm really excited to talk about the ending with you all today. And moving forward, our next book for June is going to be The Five Star Weekend by Ellen Hildebrand, which I do intend to get up next Monday, but we'll get into that later. So we finished part of your world and I meant to record this late last week. I usually record on Friday afternoons because I get out of work at three o'clock. So it gives me plenty of time to record and then edit over the course of the weekend. However, last weekend, I went camping with my friends, which was amazing. Um, We actually left like pretty much right at three o'clock when I got out of work. Um, So I didn't have time to record. And my whole goal was to record when I got home on Sunday morning, which would have been totally fine and doable. Um, And then I was going to leave for a work trip on that Sunday evening would have given me plenty of time to edit the podcast on the plane. And even when I got to the hotel room and have it up on a Monday upload for you guys. Well, all of that was thrown off. So we had a lovely weekend camping. Um, I live in Portland, Maine, if you weren't aware. And we just went up to Wolf's Neck State Park and their campgrounds there. We've been doing that for almost five years now. It's in Freeport, so it's only like 20 minutes away. It's awesome. It leaves, you know, plenty of opportunity if you need to run home for something or go into Freeport to like get supplies. It's awesome. Not that you need it there. They have everything you need right on the ocean. So many cute farm animals and everything. So if you're in the Portland area and haven't checked out Wolf's Neck State Park or the campground, I definitely recommend doing so. It is so much fun there. I absolutely love it. We did that, but when we got there on Friday... Um, my friend Griffin, it's actually Noah, my boyfriend's cousin, we're all very close. He was like, hey, just so you guys know, there's um, a caterpillar and like a moth called the brown-tailed moth. They're everywhere. They told us that when we checked in. So just be careful. If you see one, don't touch it. Let me know. We'll kill them, basically. And in my head, I was like, okay, no worries. I'm from Maine. I've never heard of this before. Everyone else who was camping with us was like, oh, yeah, I like heard about how bad that was this year and even last year. And I'm like, where have I been? Have never heard of these things, whatever. I have really sensitive skin. I was not concerned about it. I did not really think it was that big of a deal, whatever. Um, I felt I we were sitting around the campfire on Friday and one was on my shoulder and we got it off of me. It was whatever. But then my neck started to get a little bit itchy and I was like, okay, that's annoying. Whatever. We were drinking. We were having fun. I really didn't think too much about it. And then I woke up on Saturday morning and my neck was pretty inflamed and I had like clear like marks on it, but it wasn't that bad. Then the day progressed and my neck started getting like more and more inflamed. I One of my friends had cortisone cream, so I put that on. Wasn't that bad. Again, I enjoyed my day. We had a blast. We played wiffle ball, went hiking, whatever. 
And then Sunday I woke up and it was like everywhere. My neck was like totally inflamed. I had like hundreds of dots all over it. My stomach was super itchy and I had leggings on, but my legs were so itchy. And I'm like, oh my God, I've got to get home. Got to get this under control. Like immediately have to get off these clothes because we were looking around the campground the whole day. We were totally covered by trees and there were like caterpillars and moths everywhere. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get totally infested. And I did. So Sunday when I got home, I was so itchy. My legs eggs had like hundreds of marks all over them. And basically what happens is like the poisonous hairs on these caterpillars can just like get into the air. Like some could have fallen into the campfire and like gone in the smoke, like who knows, but my legs were covered. My neck was covered and I was just really miserable and exhausted from the weekend, to be honest. And I didn't get to record the podcast because I had to deal with all the itchiness shower, get ready for my trip. So I was going on a work trip to Washington, D.C. just for a couple of days. Um, And I did. So I got on the plane and I almost brought my microphone and recorded and had plans to record when I was in the hotel room. But guys, I was just like wiped, wiped out just from life and having these stupid freaking moth bites and rashes. So I just, I didn't end up recording and I'm really sorry. Basically I put it on my Instagram. Everyone was very understanding. I got back late Tuesday night. Yesterday I had a ton of work to catch up on and I'm recording um, in the evening now. So that's just what's going on. Um, And I hope you all can understand. And you know, this is mostly just for fun. It's a way for us all to connect over a shared book that we're reading and I'm really sorry that it's been getting out late. It's not what I intend to do, but sometimes life just takes over. And, you know, Bookstagram and my podcast isn't a full-time job for me as much as I would love it to be. It's a hobby. It's all a hobby. And I am going to try to make a schedule now that's more beneficial and conducive to my life. And I hope you can all understand that. So here is what I am thinking for July. I know that so many of you really enjoyed the two book Um, a month thing. And I enjoyed it too, because I think that reading a book in a whole month is way, way, way too much. So my original podcast uploading schedule was um, read a book a month and read a quarter of that book every week and upload a podcast every single week talking about a quarter of that book. And I just don't think that that is the best way to do things. We're all learning together. Here's what I'm thinking for July. Um, It's going to be a busy month. I have like two weddings. It's my boyfriend's 30th birthday. Um, I'm doing freelance work. I have a lot going on at my job. One book is what's going to be happening for July. And I'm going to be limiting it to two episodes for the month. And I think going forward, even if we do two books, if we do one book, I will be uploading once every two weeks instead of once a week. I've realized over the course of um, a you know, four to five months now that uploading every week is just really difficult for me. Um, It's difficult to find quality book content to talk about every week. It's difficult to, you know, discuss my current reads. It's just, it's a lot to kind of like fit into one week almost. Like there's not enough to talk about. And I find that I'm more energized and excited to talk about books and to talk about our monthly read. When it's been a couple of weeks, I have a lot more to talk about. I can talk about a lot more books that I've been reading. There's a lot more that goes on in two weeks in the book world, if that makes sense. So for July, we will be picking one book and we'll be discussing half of it for the first episode and the second half of it for the second episode. That's something that I think was my original upload schedule and my plan. Um, And we're going to see how this goes. 
I'm so sorry if it's not what you want to hear, but I think it's going to be a lot better and easier for me to stick to a schedule when I can upload and record um, every two weeks instead of every week. It's just a lot for me with my full-time job and trying to keep up with my bookstagram and freelance work and everything like that. So I hope that's okay with you guys. I'm sorry if that's disappointing, but regardless, um, we're still going to do two books this month. We're still going to talk about it every single week. And then July will ease up a little bit. I just think I bit off a little bit more than I can chew. Um, and sometimes when I talk about these things on the podcast, I don't come across as um, professional as I would like to, because it's just kind of off the cuff. But I will have all of this in writing on my bookstagram at Grace's Reading Nook if you're not following along. Um, I'll talk about, I'll release my July book picks. I already have them and I'm excited about them. And I'll post the poll for that. And I'll also discuss the uploading and reading schedule for those um, in the next few days here, honestly. Um, so that's what's going on with the podcast uploading schedule and what we'll be talking about going forward. But I will be uploading another episode early next week. I want to say it's going to be Monday, but you know me, you never know. Um, but I am planning right now on uploading one on Monday, June 19th, and that will be the first half half of the five star weekend by Ellen Hildebrand. Take a breath. That was a lot of information, a lot of talking, and I hope you can all understand. And other than that, I don't have too, too much to talk about. One thing I did want to plug, if you are in the Portland area, um, you'll be hearing this very shortly, and you'll also be hearing another episode before this event happens. But I am hosting a book event at a prey next Thursday, um, June 22nd. I am super excited about it. Um, and I wanted to plug that a little bit here. It's going to be the Meet Cute Romance Book Author and Panel event. Um, it's sponsored by Bat Cove Books, and I am hosting it. And it's going to be super exciting. It's at 6.30 p.m. at a prey, which is in East Bayside on 148 Anderson Street, right in Portland. If you haven't been, their seltzers and drinks are amazing. Um, and we have some amazing authors who are going to be there sharing their newest books and talking about how they write. Um, I'll be you know, kind of hosting a little bit of a panel, asking you guys to ask them some questions about what you want to hear about their writing, um, about their books, anything like that. So the authors involved are M.A. Wardell, Jenny Howe, Lauren H. May, K.J. Mashish, and Kristen Miller. And I am just so excited. It's going to be so much fun. And if you're in the Portland area, I would really love to see you there. I would love to meet some of you all. And I think it's just going to be a really, really fun event. So look out on my bookstagram and at Bat Cove Books and all of those authors Instagrams as we'll be promoting that a little bit more over the course of the next week. Super exciting. All right. And now I could talk a little bit with you guys about my current reads before we get into the final half of Part of Your World by Abby Jimenez, which I cannot wait to talk to you guys about. So over the past week, I quickly finished Stone Cold Fox by Rachel Collar Croft. This has been one that was on my TBR for so long, and I was so excited to read it because the cover is stunning. And guys, this book was amazing. I absolutely loved it. It was so much fun. I gave it four out of five stars. I read it in like an evening. It was just such a blast to read. And I think so, so many of you would love it. If you were a fan of Cover Story last year, who was Cover Story by? Oh, Susan Rigetti. It so reminded me of Cover Story. It's very much like... um like a crime book, like a heist book, something like that. It was so much fun. Let me get, let me read you guys um, the synopsis of this, and then I'll read you guys my Goodreads review. 
On Goodreads, it says it's a compelling debut novel about an ambitious woman who, after a lifetime of conning alongside her mother, wants to leave her dark past behind and marry the heir to one of the country's wealthiest families. Like any enterprising woman, B knows what she's worth and is determined to get all she deserves. It just so happens that what she deserves is to marry rich. After a lifetime of forced instruction in the art of swindling men by her mother, B wants nothing more than to escape her shadow, close the door on their sordid past, and disappear safely into old money domesticity. When B finds her final mark in the perfectly dull blue-blooded Colin, she's ready to deploy all her tricks one last time. The challenge isn't getting the ring, but rather the approval of Colin's family and everyone else in their tax bracket, particularly his childhood best friend, Gail. Going toe-to-toe with Gail isn't a threat to an expert like B, but what begins as an amusing cat-and-mouse game quickly develops into a dangerous chase. As the truth of B's past threatens to come roaring out, she finds herself racing against the clock to pass the finish line before everything is exposed. It is so much fun, you guys. I just had a blast. Rachel Collar Croft is an amazing writer. Um, debut novel, could not believe it. It read like a, a seasoned vet in writing. It was so good. So my review was, this one was so much fun. I was truly hooked from the first line and it only got better from there. I absolutely love an unreliable narrator slash con artist story. And this one is knocked out of the park. I was flying through the chapters, just need to know what happened next. So much of that had to do with Rachel Collarcroft's magnificent writing. So witty, mischievous, and outright hilarious at points. B was incredibly crude, but it made it all so much more fun. There were even some timeline jumps that made us feel for B and understood why she was doing what she was doing most of the time. Some of those twists at the end really got me, though it did feel a little rushed and monotonous, and I wish there was so- some further explanation. Also, we need a sequel after that epilogue, and I have a feeling one is already in the works. This is a twisty, salacious, hilarious, wild ride, and one thriller mystery con artist will devour. Um, It was so much fun and a perfect summer, easy beach read. Like, so much fun to take this one to the beach and just devour it in a sitting. I think so many of you will love it, so definitely put it on your list. Another book I finished this week was Saturday Night at the Lakeside Supper Club by J. Ryan Stradell. And I really, really enjoyed it. The ending really just left a bad taste in my mouth, you guys. I really hated how it was all wrapped up at the end. But don't let that deter you. Um, I think so many of you will really love this. This is another one of those books I talk about all the time where it's pretty much the opposite of Stone Cold Fox by Rachel Collarcroft. Like Stone Cold Fox is action packed. So much happens in such a short period of time. Meanwhile, Saturday night at the Lakeside Supper Club, it's a long drawn out character piece. Nothing crazy happens. It's not going to be full of twists and turns. It's a life piece. It's about the characters. It's about the life they live in the Midwest. Um, I love a book like that. I am huge, 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 huge on character driven novels. If a book is slow in some senses, but the characters are so rich and so have so much depth and I like feel for them and love them. I'm going to love the book. And that was the case with Saturday Night at the Lakeside Supper Club. I didn't like the ending because I didn't like what happened to some of our main characters. I have never read a J. Ryan Stradell book. Um, I know that he writes amazing novels that so many people love. Like I think it's like the Logger Queen of the Midwest or something like that. A lot of his books are about life in the Midwest, um, which I really enjoyed reading about in this one. Um, But 
It's hard to recommend. I think that a lot of people will love it, but it is really slow. So let me read the synopsis for you guys. Um, I described it a little bit, um, I think, in past podcasts, but I want to give you guys a little bit more of what it's about. All right. This is a story of a couple from two very different restaurant families in rustic Minnesota and the legacy of love and tragedy of hardship and hope that unites and divides them. Marielle Prager needs a break. Her husband, Ned, is having an identity crisis. Her spunky, beloved restaurant is bleeding money by the day. And her mother, Florence, is stubbornly refusing to leave the church where she's been holed up for more than a week. The Lakeside Supper Club has been in her family for decades. And while Marielle's grandmother embraced the business, seeing it as a saving grace, Florence, her mother, never took to it. When Marielle inherited the restaurant, skipping Florence, it created a rift between mother and daughter that never quite healed. Ned, her husband, is also an heir to a chain of home-style diners, and while he doesn't have a head for business, he knows his family's chain could provide a better future than his wife's fading restaurant. In the aftermath of a devastating tragedy, Ned and Marielle lose almost everything they hold dear, and the hard-won victories of each family hang in the balance. With their, dashed, with their dreams dashed, can one fractured family find a way to rebuild despite their losses, and will the Lakeside Supper Club be their salvation? In this colorful, vanishing world of relish trays and brandy old fashions, Jay Ryan Stradell has once again given us a story full of his signature honest, lovable, yet failable Midwestern characters as they grapple with love, loss, and marriage, what we hold on to and what we leave behind and what our legacy will be when we are gone. I gave this four out of five stars and let me read you guys my personal review. This was such a lovely book. First of all, the writing was absolutely superb, and I can't wait to read more from J. Ryan Stradell. I absolutely loved his vivid imagery and rich and complex characters. I adored the Minnesota setting, and I felt like one of the friends and family at their supper club as I was reading. I did get a bit confused with the timelines, though. It took me a while to get used to Betty, Florence, and Marielle's separate timelines and how they all worked together. But once I got the hang of it, I really enjoyed the different perspectives. I absolutely adored Marielle's character and her relationship with Ned. It felt very honest and sweet. I really struggled, though, to connect with Florence in her young chapters and as Marielle's mom. I wish I could have seen her character have some levity and warmth, but overall, I felt like she was quite cold. She had a very hard life. One thing that I really struggled with was the ending. I don't want to spoil anything, but I was very, very disappointed with what happened with Marielle and also Julia's decisions. I understand why J. Ryan Stradell went there, and I know that all books can't be tied up with a lovely bow, but that's just how I felt. For some reason, I feel like this book will really stay with me, and I think that's from the depth of the characters within it and the heart of Betty and Floyd's Supper Club. There were so many stories and so many characters, and it was heartbreaking and heartwarming all at once. This book literally did feel like a nice warm meal or a nice warm hug, um, and I really would recommend it um, for a lot of people. I think you'd enjoy it. And the book that I am currently reading is The Whispers by Ashley Audrain. Um, it's taken me a little bit to get into this one. I brought it on my trip to DC, which by the way, I love Arlington, Virginia. That's where I was staying for my conference. And what a like a lovely little city. I didn't get to explore it too much, but I feel like it was so clean and it makes me want to go back there. I went to DC once in college for like a long weekend um, with like a volunteer trip and I loved it, but it was like kind of a hard time in my life. So I don't really remember too, too much. I was like caught up in my own head with things, but 
I loved the area and I would love to go back with my boyfriend and explore because he's really into politics and all of that. So that's something that I want to go back to. Side note, but I did bring The Whispers by Ashley Audrain with me. I finished Saturday night at the Lakeside Supper Club on the plane and started The Whispers that evening when I got there. And it's good so far. I really loved The Push by Ashley Audrain. This one isn't totally catching my interest. Um, it's feeling like a lot of the other books that I've read this year, like All the Dangerous Things, focused a lot on like mothers and how we deal with like mom guilt, not we or how like mothers deal with mom guilt and how women in general grapple with this like feeling of like wanting to be a mom or not wanting to be a mom. And I can tell that this thriller is also going there. I know that the push really kind of focused on that as well, definitely worried and focused on motherhood. But this is feeling like there's going to be a lot of underlying themes of that. Um, and that's good and bad. I'm just kind of like sick of that trope right now, which I know many other people might not be, but I'm giving it a fair chance. And I'll probably end up finishing that in the next couple of days here. So I'll give you my thoughts um, when I record the next episode. But that is really all I have to talk about so far right now. About 20 minutes in, I really want to get into the second half of Part of Your World by Abby Jimenez, because I can finally share all my thoughts about what I'm thinking about this book, because they're all so good. Like I'm loving this book. And I loved this book so much. And I know so many of you did too. And again, pat on the back for something this week, I did remember to record and screenshot all of your answers to my open ended questions that I asked this week. So that's one good thing. So let's get in and talk about the second half of Part of Your World by Abby Jimenez. Once again, this will include spoilers. So if you haven't finished the book yet, pause it here, finish it, and then you can finish out the rest of the podcast with us all later. Um, however, if you don't really care and you haven't read it anyway, and don't care about spoilers, no problem. Just know that spoilers will be ahead. As You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Always, we'll get into my own personal notes first on the end of this book, and then we'll get into the questions that I asked you and your own answers and mine as well. So let's just go ahead and get started. Okay, so we are going to start with chapter 22, and we're starting with my notes. So I said, 
Sorry guys, I am currently still reading this in one sitting because I cannot stop. I am so infuriated with Alexis's life at home and I am just begging her to stop caring about the hospital and what her parents think and live a simple life with Daniel. She could open up a practice and be so happy. Neil made her her favorite quiche to start the chapter, but she opted for a protein shake, which was a great choice. Then her parents showed up to play golf with Neil. Like what? Her dad needs a reality check. I am so done with them. Of course, I want Alexis to get the house, but more than that, I just want her out of there. I also realized I haven't commented yet on the similarities of Alexis and Daniel's lives. Both have family histories in their respective businesses for 125 years. Both feel they'd be letting themselves and their families down for going against it. After being infuriated and with good reason, she drives to Daniel. He is so happy to see her and he admits he wants to be her boyfriend, but she's just not ready to take that step yet, which I can understand. But I have a feeling that their feelings are soon going to outweigh their reasonable qualms about their respective lives. After the adorable grocery store game and Daniel explaining to Alexis how to peel potatoes, they have to rush to a woman named Hannah's house to help her deliver a baby, which Alexis has no problem with. She is so enamored with how the town works together to help each other. And I think she's falling in love with its magic almost as much as she is with Daniel. Next, I took notes on chapters 23 through 25. Daniel and Alexis's feelings are really starting to increase. And while Daniel is all in, Alexis continues to be hesitant. And I do understand her hesitancy. They're exclusive, so not seeing anyone else, but not officially boyfriend and girlfriend yet either. In one of Alexis's POVs, she's collecting medical supplies to bring to Waken because she realizes they need supplies after the baby delivery and Brie and her have a talk. She realizes she's definitely falling for Daniel, which cannot happen. She applied for the higher position, so she's trying to escalate her career at her home. Daniel can't move here because he has his own town to deal with, not to mention her support system would have a fit. In my eyes, what kind of a support system is that? Not a good one. I wish Derek were around so Alexis could just move and, you know, he could take over the hospital duties. She did mention that they don't have a clinic there, so I'm hoping that's a hint that she'll open one. Fingers crossed. Despite all the cons, they can't stop falling for each other. And in the chapter, when Doug comes over to help Daniel with the dick pic, I genuinely laughed out loud. Like this chapter was so, so freaking funny. The ring light, I was dying. That chapter was hysterical. And now I cannot wait to read about their weekend together. In chapter 26, I said, I can't write too much about this chapter, but I am furious, like truly so mad. Allie's dad is a villain through and through, and I really hope she starts to see that ASAP. I am so mad that she is most likely going to break things off with Daniel just so she can please her parents and condemn herself to a life of misery. And don't even get me started on Neil. She's really potentially going to try to work things out with him. Like Bree said, she needs to realize what she can't live without and she has to know in her heart that that's Daniel. These next few chapters are going to infuriate me and I know it'll be okay in the end because all rom-coms are, but I am so livid right now. And just to clarify, not at Allie. She's in an impossible situation and it's not easy to give up her parents for a man she just met. But with Derek being disowned, her family is already never going to be the same. Next up were chapters 27 and 28. And I said, Alexis goes to Waken with every intention of ending things with Daniel only because their lives won't fit together. But then on the walk to the VFW, he gives her a heart-shaped rock that he says took him two hours to find, just like what Doug said about the penguins. My heart was bursting. 
Then when they got to the VFW, it's actually a thank you party for Alexis because they realized how crazy the birth of Lily really was and how she saved her life. On the walk back home, the town shows more of its magic and surrounds Daniel and Alexis in flower petals. As they kiss, she realizes she can't say goodbye to him or the town just yet. She's past that point and completely fallen for them. Then we finally get the confirmation that Jake has been physically abusing Liz, which is so heartbreaking. She doesn't want to file a police report because Jake is an officer, but Alexis gets some pictures of her wounds and promises to help her whenever she's ready. It is just so heartbreaking to have both of these women struggling with abuse. Then her and Daniel have their talk, but Daniel says he doesn't want it to be over yet. They're going to see what happens, even though they both know there's an expiration date. And right now I said, I'm calling it. Alexis has to move to Waken and open a clinic. I will not stand for anything else. Then I took notes on chapter 29 through 31. And I said, we jump four months ahead here. So we lost a lot of time. Alexis has been spending every possible waking moment with Daniel, knowing that it could rip her heart out and that it will when it's finally over. It is so heartbreaking to hear them talking about both wanting the same things, marriage, kids, but thinking that they those things could happen with someone else. They're breaking their own hearts every day by being together and falling more in love, but they can't stop and are simultaneously healing themselves in the process. Daniel says he's in love with her and his POV in this part, and Alexis freaks out and tells him it's over, but the magic of the town intervened, and a strike of lightning literally knocked a tree branch down, blocking the driveway, and rain pours. They cannot leave each other. Chapters 32 and 33, Alexis got the chief position. Whoop-de-doo. I was not excited about it because we know that's not what she truly wants, even though she's really proud of her career and wants to progress in it. We know that's something that is not as important to her now as like living with Daniel. She didn't even want it because it represented so much that wasn't her anymore. Then Daniel showed up at the hospital. Literally, don't even know what to say about that encounter that I haven't already said. The air was literally sucked out of me when he walked in. How was Neil the most composed one out of the whole group? Her dad is truly the biggest ass I've ever read. He is the worst and she better stick up to him soon or I'm going to lose it. I felt so awful for Daniel. How humiliating. I was so mad at Alexis for not keying him into some of these things in her life and also for not owning up to what she's been doing for months. She's 38 years old. I would say Daniel has more maturity than her in this chapter. Honestly, money just doesn't equal maturity. But at the same time, she has been put in a truly impossible situation. So I do feel for her. If she leaves, she'll be disowned and she'll lose her career. If she stays and Daniel comes, she'll be disowned and having to deal with Neil. So she breaks up with him and their hearts shatter right along with mine. I'm gutted and I need to know what happens. Then I just took notes on the ending because... It was just so heartbreaking to read the chapters of them both being heartbroken alone, like when they were calling each other in the silence on the phone. It was gut-wrenching and it felt so, so real and honest. Um, and I was just living it. I was just loving it. I'm like, I'm not going to take notes. I'm just going to talk about the whole ending. And I said, this book was a pure delight. I almost never read a book in one sitting, but I did this and I have no apologies. I'm dying to know how long it took all of you to read it because this was impossible for me to put down. And I did get a lot of responses from all of you saying it was nearly impossible for all of you to put down as well. So I'm so glad I wasn't alone there. Those breakup chapters, like I just said, were brutal, truly made me believe the heartbreak and really reminded me of Bridges of Madison County. If any of you have seen that movie or seen the play or read the book or anything like that. So heartbreaking. That phone call, the world is ending now. So please come be with me. I'm literally dead. Just reading that I rewrote that sentence. I am like, 
oh my God, that was so heartbreaking. It was so good. Thank God for Brianna. And I said, I can't wait to read her story and yours truly because she was the hilarious voice of reason and hero for both Daniel and Alexis. I loved the ending. I love a grand gesture. Alexis turning her story around and sticking up for herself, creating something good with her legacy by opening up the the clinic. Just like I said she would. I saw that coming from a while ago, but I don't care because it's a great twist. Daniel witnessing it all and then dancing with her in the middle of the dance floor. Loved it. And then back in Waken, married and with a baby on the way. Doug as a paramedic helping Alexis, Brian and Liz together, her mom coming to the wedding. Fuck her dad. I don't care about him. (laughs) I just love Alexis and Daniel's love. I felt so raw and real and believable and magical. I loved every second of this one. And I'm so sad that it's already over. Guys, for me, this was a true, true five out of five book. I romances can be tough. Um, A lot of the times I feel like they're too cheesy or the dialogue is unrealistic or something like that. This was a perfect romance. This is my first Abby Jimenez book. Like I said, it will not be my last and it wasn't my last because I read yours truly right after this, which I can talk about a little bit. Um, But I loved it. The dialogue was so realistic. The heartbreak was so realistic. And I literally am just obsessed with Daniel. I do think he is the perfect book boyfriend. Um, I'm literally obsessed. So I'll read you guys my Goodreads synopsis, but I think I pretty much said all the same things. I said, the perfect romance does exist. I started reading this at 2 p.m. today and finished at 10.30 p.m., only stopping to eat dinner. There was magic sprinkled in these pages, I swear. This is our first June book club pick for my podcast, the One Woman Book Club podcast. So I'll be discussing it even further there for the next two weeks. Hello, here I am. (laughs) I can't believe it took me this long to read an Abby Jimenez book. And now she's 100% an auto buy author for me and I'm immediately picking up yours truly, which I did. What is there to even say? Daniel is a dream, like the best book boyfriend I've ever read. No flaws, just perfection. Alexis and Daniel's chemistry was raw and real, believable and magical. The dialogue was so authentic and never cheesy, and at points had me laughing out loud, Doug in the ring light. The characters had so much depth and so many layers, and I fell in love with Waken. I can't wait to hopefully get an update on these characters and yours truly and talk all about this one on the podcast. Truly in love and giddy about this one. It was so much fun, and I'm so glad that you guys enjoyed it as well. And I do want to talk about the discussion questions that I asked you guys on my Instagram. So let me pull those up really fast. So in the back of my version of Part of Your World, there were some questions for readers, um, which I love when they include some sort of a reading group guide. Makes it much easier for book clubs like ours to get through it. And then I also want to go through, there's a Q&A with Abby Jimenez at the back that I'm not sure if any of you had read, but I may go through some of those as well. Also, there's a recipe for Daniel's crepes, which amazing. Would love to have the crepes and love that she included that. I love when authors include like little tidbits like that in the backs of books. Um, An author that comes immediately to mind is Grady Hendrix. So many cool tidbits in the Southern Vampire, sorry, the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires, which is one of my top five favorite books of all time. It's so good. All right. The first question on the back was, what are the pros and cons of Alexis's lifestyle versus Daniel's? Which would you choose? And what is your definition of success? So I asked you guys, whose lifestyle would you rather have? And I'd assumed the majority of people would say Daniel, um, just because it's pretty much like 
the popular answer, I feel like, if you've read the book. Um, 68% of you did say Daniel, so I was right. But 32% did say Alexis, which I found pretty interesting and cool that a lot of you guys really enjoyed, like, Alexis's lifestyle as well. I did ask what the pros and cons of both were. I did get some responses. Someone said, I already live redneck Danny's life in the boons as an entrepreneur. Love that. I love the simple life of Waken, like getting up early, knowing your neighbors, like living a hard earned, like honest life. Like it just felt like a breath of fresh air. Loved it. And then someone said, I would want Alexis only because I lived like Daniel growing up and I prefer the city. Totally get that. I lived in a suburb. It definitely wasn't like Waken, but it wasn't a city either. Um, we weren't like in the middle of nowhere, at least where I lived. So I can totally see like Either you loved where you grew up and you want to stay there or you're like, oh my God, get me the hell away from this place and want to have something completely different. So totally get that. Then someone else said, I like the more relaxed life with enough to enjoy myself, but not super luxury. And I agree. So, I mean, I guess it's interesting. I live in a city right now and I love living in a city. I would definitely choose Daniel's life though. I think just overall, I think I'm kind of putting a negative spin on Alexis's life just because of like all the shit that she goes through with her family and like the pressure from her family. If all of that is a part of Alexis's life in her town, I would never choose it, you know, but if, if she had a great life in her town and Daniel had a great life in Waken, I might choose Alexis's personally because I like a lot of what the city has to offer. Like I've always lived close enough to a city that's like a 20 minute drive away from like all the important things. I couldn't believe when Daniel said he had never been like farther than a few hours away from him. That's something I couldn't imagine. I would never want that. I still want to be close enough to civilization to like try new restaurants and like go shopping and stuff like that and have my career. So I guess in my head, I had gone into this thinking I would choose Daniel's life, but I think I would actually probably choose Alexis if Daniel was there. You know what I mean? Love Waken though. I just don't know if I could be somewhere so um, remote. And then this is one that I didn't ask you guys because I didn't want to like, I don't want to go too, too much into it. But this question is, Alexis is mistreated by Neil and Liz by Jake. Compare and contrast those forms of abuse. What kind of impact does each have? And I think it's really hard to like compare forms of abuse. Abuse is abuse. And both women were horribly mistreated by these men. Um, and I don't know like what kind of impact each has. I just didn't like love this question because it has a horrible impact. Like, what I will say is that for Alexis's form of abuse, it wasn't totally like physical, right? It wasn't outward. It wasn't something that people could see or necessarily pick up on. And it's something that she really hid and didn't, she's something she didn't even really notice was going on herself until she was so broken down by it that she's like, you know, I, I'm not like an ugly, awful person. And he's just saying this so that I stay with him. Um, and I think that probably a lot of women go through that sort of abuse um, and may not even realize that they're being abused. And it's really, really hard. And it's just something to think about that, like, not all abuse is noticeable or physical. Um, and it's something to, like, check in on your friends with, check in on yourself. Like, how are you doing? How are you feeling in your relationship all the time? Both have awful impacts. Like, I don't even know how to respond to that. Um, but yeah, just the form of abuse in the kind of the theme of abuse in this book was really interesting. And I really enjoyed how Abby Jimenez explored both. Um, and I think it opened our eyes up to other forms of abuse that aren't just physical. 
Third question is, Alexis has a lot of expectations put on her by her family. Did you feel that was fair? Do you agree with how she handled the situation? How is that different from how is that different from or similar to the pressures Daniel faced? Are there times in your own life when the pressure of expectation has conflicted with your own wants and needs? And then that's when I asked you guys, do you feel the expectations Alexis's family put on her were fair? 89% of you said no and 11% said yes, which is interesting. Then I asked, how is her pressure different than Daniel's? And I did get some responses. Someone said, when you have a kid, you don't push your expectations onto them. They owe you nothing. Um, I totally agree with that. Like I, when I have children one day, really hope I do, um, they can do whatever they want to do. They can be whoever they want to be. Um, I don't have any expectations for them. Like I, I don't even, I, I'm trying to think of like what I would want my children to do or be. And I have no idea because I don't know who they are. I want them to just follow literally whatever their heart desires and go for their dreams. And that's it. Like, I don't even want to like, I would want them to be a doctor. I don't want them to be a teacher. It doesn't, I don't know who they are yet. They're going to exist and they're going to be amazing at whatever they do. And I know that a lot of people don't think that way. Like a lot of people are born into families who have very clear expectations for them, just like Alexis's family and even Daniel's was. Um, and I think that's really, really hard to have a life that's almost like predetermined for you before you're even born. Um, someone said her family was rude as fuck. And that's all. Totally agree. Someone said, and then someone else said, Daniels feels a little more self-imposed. He likes his family's tradition and is loved by his family no matter what, whereas Alexis, his family, expects this from her or else. Exactly. I feel like that's totally true. Like, Daniel wants to stay at the Grand House and live on with that tradition because he loves it. He loves his life there, but his family never expected him to or, like, asked him to carry on that tradition, whereas Alexis really doesn't even like her life at the hospital at all, and her family wants her to stay in something that makes her unhappy. Um, so that's really, that's interesting. The fourth question is, in some ways, Waken feels like a place out of time, its own separate world. Do you think that that's part of its protection? Do you believe that a place can have a spirit the way Pops explained? Um, and then I asked that exact question and 90% of you said yes and 10% of you said no. Um, I'm pretty realistic with things, but I do believe in like crazy situations or coincidences happening. And I do believe that a place can be like spirited or have a different magical element about it. So I would have said yes as well. And especially as it's presented in this book, um, loved the magical element of it. It's just, it's, it is magical realism because like, you know, flowers wouldn't just fall from the sky when they were kissing or acorns wouldn't fall and land on those, the bitches heads, Alexis's friends. But I loved it. I loved it all the same. Then it was an odd question and I didn't get any responses to this um, because I actually don't have any response to it either. I wouldn't have known what to said, say. It says, what are some of the fairy tale similarities you could find in the story? Um, couldn't find any. Let me know if you can. But I, I could not either and none of you could either. So that we're just we're lacking on that question. The sixth question is Gabby's behavior during the girls weekend is the first time Alexis has thought about the power of her privilege. Do you think Gabby was right to leave a poor rating for their stay at the Grant house? What would you have done in the same situation or at a restaurant or for an Etsy shop? Um, so I asked the question, do you think Gabby was right to leave a poor rating of the Grant house? 85% said no, 15% said yes. And I'm sorry for the 15% of you who said yes. No, like, Oh my God. I don't know what it is. Like I 
even if I have a really terrible time, I will talk about it like with my friends or my family. It would take a lot for me to like actually leave a negative review. And that has a lot to do with the actual like person who I know would be reading the review, right? Like a lot of shitty things happened to them at the Grant House, whatever. Daniel was so like humiliated and wanted to go out of his way to make sure that their experience was saved. Like he did so much for them in the face of all that was happening. Like for that alone, I would leave a five star review. So many of the things were out of his control. So many things were out of his control, you know? Um, same like goes for a restaurant where if I have like a terrible time, like the if, if the food was bad, um, but the server was like really nice about it and everything, it makes up for that experience for me. So that's just how I feel. Um, I do not, I was so unbelievably pissed and I've already talked about this when Gabby did the one star review and ruined his rating, like would never, could never, I thought it was awful. And someone said, would have spoken up whether I knew the guy or not. We don't bash small businesses. And I completely agree. It was so out of hand and so uncalled for. The seventh question is Alexis refers to herself as Dr. Alexis through most of the book until she decides to marry Daniel. Then she becomes Dr. Alexis Montgomery Grant. How do you think that reflects the way she felt about her identity and family legacy? I think that for a lot of her life and throughout the book, the last name Montgomery, um, or is her last name Grant? Her original last name. Sorry. Yeah. I think that the last name Montgomery didn't mean a lot to her. And in fact, she was almost like embarrassed and ashamed to have the last name Montgomery because it represented like so much of what she didn't want her life to be like and almost so much of what she didn't accomplish on her own, right? All of this was given to her. It was predetermined, like literally when she was born that she would go and run this stuff at the hospital. She never felt like she earned the last name or earned the title. So she just called herself Dr. Alexis. But then when she married Daniel and opened up her own clinic, she used that last name and the privilege that she had for having that last name and having all that was handed to her and brought it and did something good with it. Um, and I think that's pretty much what that means, in my opinion. The last question is, who would be on your zombie apocalypse team? Um, all my friends and family. <laughs> I don't know. My boyfriend, Noah, my parents, our best friends. Like, that's kind of an odd question. But I loved those questions. I thought they were really cool and got us to think a little bit about it. And so I wanted to read a couple of the questions that Abby Jimenez answered at the end of this book. The first question is, what made you want to tell this story? And she responded, my best friend was in an incredibly abusive marriage before we met. She barely escaped with her life. She has gone on. She has since gone on to be an advocate for survivors of domestic violence. And she speaks openly about what she lived through. I didn't understand the cycle of abuse before I met Lindsay. I couldn't wrap my brain around why a woman wouldn't just leave. Many people are unaware of the power dynamic that takes place in an abusive relationship and how to help someone enduring it. It wasn't until Lindsay began to talk to me about it that I could grasp how complicated the situation was and how hard it is to get out. Here was this intelligent, capable, strong woman who ended up in this awful marriage that she felt powerless to escape. It shattered all the preconceived notions that I had about who this happens to and why. It was very eye-opening. I can't think of a better way to educate than to put a reader right into the brain of someone living it. I did a lot of due diligence in writing this to make sure the advice Alexis gives Liz is accurate. My hope is that it can act as a roadmap out to those witnessing it or surviving it. The next question is, in what ways do you relate to Alexis and to Daniel? And she responds, I can relate to both of them. I grew up without money. I never went to college. I had to start working at 16, which planted me in the service industry where I could get a job without any advanced education. I have cried in many a walk-in freezer, LOL. 
and same. <laughs> oh my God, same. I have worked in so, I mean, I've literally had 25 jobs. We can get into that on another podcast, but many of those have been service industry jobs. And I have also definitely cried in a walk-in freezer, cried in a waitress station, like bad. Anyway, she keeps going. Alexis is closer to my age. Now that I'm more financially secure, I can afford some nicer things. So I really was able to live in both of their heads pretty easily. But if I had to pick one, I'd say I related most to Daniel. Daniel is just so salt of the earth. And I loved seeing Alexis's house through Daniel's eyes. I agree. That was so great. Alexis was completely oblivious to her own lifestyle. We never understand when we're in her POV, just how opulent and extravagant her life is because she doesn't realize it herself. She's so used to it. None of it even warrants a mental mention. And then Daniel shows up there and he's floored by the way she's living. I feel like no matter how many luxuries I'm able to afford one day, I'll never not appreciate it. And I don't think Daniel ever will either. He'll always appreciate the privileges in his life because, because he becomes, because he comes from such a humble upbringing. And I can very much relate to that. And I also very much relate to that whole paragraph. I thought that was so, so relatable to my own life. This is also interesting. They ask, how did you decide on the name Waken for Daniel's town? She responds, for the name of Daniel's town, I wanted it to be a word local indigenous people would use since so many places in Minnesota are still called by their original names. For this, I contacted Native Languages of the Americas and made a donation to their naming fundraiser to have the town named. So cool. This fundraiser benefits the preservation of native languages, which I loved. I wanted the name of the town to be something that indicated its magical properties. The area, the area south of Minneapolis is traditional Dakota Sioux land. The best known Dakota word for magic is waken, pronounced wakan. It says it's pronounced W-A-H-K-A-H-N. So I think it's wakan. So I'm so sorry. I keep saying waken, but it is wakan. This word means not only magic, but spiritual, sacred, or wondrous. I also wanted Alexis's world to have a hidden meaning, Ryam, which is Ryan. I've also never been able to pronounce that. I'm so bad. Is R-O-Y-A-U-M-E, which means kingdom or realm in French. Then she kind of answers one of the questions that I, we couldn't find, which is the fairy tale element. And they ask, there's a strong royalty component and a touch of Disney in this book. Tell us about that. And she responds, Daniel and Alexis are both royalty. He's the last in his line, an impoverished prince on the cusp of losing his castle. She's a wealthy, albeit reluctant princess with an enormous and powerful kingdom, the heir to a prestigious throne. I loved drawing that dynamic throughout the book. Derek's exit is very similar to Edward VIII's abdication of the British throne to marry American divorcee Wallace Simpson. This was a huge scandal at the time, covered ruthlessly in the tabloids. Wallace was considered socially and morally unsuitable for the king, like Lola was for Derek, and Edward's exodus left his younger brother, George VI, fifth, sorry, I'm so bad with Roman numerals, George V to take the throne, much to his dismay. And I had a blast incorporating all the Disney elements into it as well. We have Alexis losing a shoe right out of the gate. Very true. Didn't pick up on that. She's a redheaded fish out of water princess with a controlling father. The Little Mermaid, anyone? Very true. There's some serious Aladdin vibes. The street that Alexis lives on, Chateau de Chambord, is named after the castle that inspired both the 1991 cartoon and the 2017 live action film of Beauty and the Beast. I did this because Alexis is a beautiful, intelligent woman trapped in a castle with a monster. And of course, we have the princess bride nods. I just had so much fun writing this book. Um, so much fun, you guys. Like, I absolutely love this book. And one of the last questions I asked you was, what was your overall rating of this book? 0% said one to two stars, 
0% said two to three stars, 29% said three to four stars, and 71% said five stars. That's amazing. I'm so glad you guys all love this book just as much as I did. Even three to four stars is great. No one didn't like this book, it seemed like. And then lastly, I asked, will you be reading the sequel yours truly? 98% said yes, and 2% said no. And spoiler alert, I also read yours truly and really, really loved it. I didn't love it as quite as much as part of your world. I gave this one, I believe, four out of five stars. I said 4.5, but as I'm sitting on it, I, I would say four. Um, loved the characters. It was about Brianna and her own romance. Um, and I loved Brianna's character. The only thing that rounded it down for me was there was a really, really large miscommunication trope in this book that I think was just like too much for me at points. But overall, really loved it. And I have heard that Abby Jimenez is also writing a third book in this part of your world series. I don't know what perspective or what character she's going to use. But regardless, I'm so so excited to read it. Also, um, literally the day I finished yours truly, Abby Jimenez put on her Instagram that if you signed up for her newsletter, she was releasing a bonus chapter of Part of Your World. And of course, I did immediately. So if you're not signed up for Abby Jimenez's newsletter, and you want to read like an extra bonus chapter of Part of Your World, go do that. And it's a really sweet little addition. Um, but that's the end of Part of Your World. I know that you all enjoyed it so much as did I and we are getting right into it. And we're going to be reading the Five Star Weekend by Ellen Hildebrand. So for the next episode, which will be out, hopefully, <laughs> Monday, June 19th, you should be reading up to chapter 23, which is titled Rye Toast. I know that seems weird, but it's chapter 23, Rye Toast for the first episode for the Five Star Weekend. I am so excited about it. I hope you guys are too. And thank you so much to all of you who read along with us for Part of Your World this month. It was a blast. And that's all I have for you guys today. Be sure to be following me on Instagram at Grace's Reading Nook to stay up to date with all of my book related things. And other than that, I will talk to you all in the next episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Talk soon. Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.